brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. Warning, first two segments of the show, I will simply note that Ted Cruz had a huge win in Wisconsin, and we will discuss that after the first two segments. Today, Merle Haggard passed, and for those of you who are country music fans, classic country music fans, this was the soundtrack to our life. When George Jones passed, Merle Haggard said, the greatest living country music singer has died. Most country music fans felt, and you step into those shoes. And so today, Merle Haggard, the greatest living country music singer, has died. And you can decide who you move to the top of the list. I know a lot of Texans will say Willie Nelson. That's your your decision. So we wanted to pay proper tribute to the man. There are some fascinating stories about him. Uh, I thought I'd share a few. I had the honor of having him play a place that many of you are associated with, along with me, called the Redneck Country Club, on April 1st of last year. It was April Fool's. It was a Wednesday. And it was a, it was sold out on a Wednesday, and we knew at the time this may very well be our last chance. So here's a little something. Thank you to Justin King for putting this together on short notice this afternoon. I think he did a great job. You decide. Legendary songwriter Merle Haggard dies today on his birthday. The country music legend known as the Hag died today at his home in Northern California. The singer famously spent time in prison in 1957 and said his time behind bars taught him the absolute necessity of being honest. We have a gentleman with us that we've looked forward to for many, many weeks having visited our show. He sings a song about his country like he really loves it. He sings a song about love 
like he knows what he's talking about. He is the poet of the common man. Let's make him welcome the one and only Merle, Merle Haggard. Thank you. Thank you, Carlton. I turned 21 in prison doing life without parole. No one could steer me right, but Mama tried, Mama tried, Mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied. It leaves only me to blame, goes Mama tried. Here it comes. It's a big job just getting by with nine kids and a wife. But I've been working, man, dang near all my life, and I'll keep on working. Long as my two hands are fit to use, I'll drink my beer in a tavern, sing a little bit of these working man blues. Turn me loose, set me free, somewhere in the middle of Montana. Give me all I've got coming. And your so-called social security Big city, turn me loose and set me free I've been throwing horseshoes Over my left shoulder I've spent most all my life Searching for that four-leaf clover Yet you ran with me Chasing my rainbows Honey, I love you too And that's the way love goes If we make it through December Got plans to be in a warmer town come summertime Maybe even California If we make it through December we'll be fine Today I started loving you again And I'm right back where I've really always been I got over you just long enough to let my heart again And then today I started loving you again This dream keep on being the way I am There's a big brown cloud in the city And the countryside to sin 
And the price of life's too high to give up Gotta come down again Worldwide war's over and done And the dream of peace comes true I'll be drinking free bubble up Eating that rainbow stew Here some might call me a good time fella I ain't blacking, I ain't a yellow Just a white boy looking for a place to do my thing Here I don't want no handout living And don't want a part of anything they're giving I'm proud and white and I got a song to sing Running down the way life I'm fighting and thought you died to be. If you don't love it, leave it. Let this song I'm singing be a warning. When you're running down my country, man, you're walking on the fight inside me. And I'm proud to be an Okie from Muskogee. This where even squares can have a ball We still wave old glory down at the courthouse And white lightning still the biggest thrill of all <laughs> We still wave old glory down at the courthouse in Muskogee, Oklahoma, USA. The hag is dead. 79. Captain Sumting Wong. Well, Sumting must be right. You're listening to Michael Berry. Wish I were down on some blue bayou with a bamboo cane stuck in the sand. But the road I'm on don't seem to go there. So I just dream, keep on being the way I am. Wish I enjoyed what makes my living. Did what I do with a willing hand. Some would run, but that ain't like me. So I just dream and keep on being the way I am. The way I Those of you who are lovers of classical country, by the way, if you just tuned in, Merle Haggard died April 6th today, his 79th birthday. He told his family last weekend, according to his son Ben, 
what he posted earlier today. He had been battling double pneumonia, and the recovery was so brutal. He said, I'm going to die on my birthday. And he did. That song right there, my favorite uh, of all of his, he had 38 number ones, and that's not one of them. That song made it all the way, I think, to number three. Never hit number one. You can have your own favorite. I uh, curated my list and massaged it and worked it over and posted it for everyone to review and say, well, Michael, you didn't put this one on there. All right, put your song on my list, but you tell me which one you're going to take off. I put my, I, t- I put the seven that I felt most reflected uh, to me the work of, uh, of Merle Haggard. You get to have your own. Merle Haggard was born and raised. If you want to talk Wisconsin, by the way, and what happened last night, we will do that. Just not, just not yet. Ten minutes. Born and raised in Bakersfield, California. Family moved to California from Oklahoma during the Depression and Dust Bowl days. I wrote this out because I didn't want to miss something, so forgive me. His dad worked for the railroad and actually converted an old boxcar to a house where Merle Ronald Haggard was born on April 6, 1937. His dad died when he was 8 years old. When he was 12, his brother Lowell gave him a used guitar, and he taught himself to play by listening to Lefty Frizzell, Hank Williams, and Bob Wills records. That's almost the exact same story as George Jones. He was a rebellious child. He got into enough trouble that his mom sent him to a juvenile detention for a weekend in order to scare him straight, but it didn't work. He spent his teen years in and out of juvenile detention centers and was, by all accounts, a mess. Finally decided to uh, pursue a career in music in 1957, married, and money problems. He was sent to jail in Bakersfield for trying to rob a roadhouse. There's no question he was living a bad life. He and a buddy tried to escape. And for that, they got sent to San Quentin. While at San Quentin, he found out his wife was pregnant by another man, went into a severe bout of depression, and he def- he uh, he befriended a man who would have a huge influence on his songwriting named Jimi Hendrix. He was known as Rabbit. And uh, other inmates, J- uh, Rabbit wanted to... Uh, Escape was planning another escape, and he was in on it. The other inmates talked him out of it. So uh, he gets sent into a uh, solitary confinement ring, uh, confinement for a week for uh, getting caught running a gambling ring inside the prison. And while he was in solitary, he met Carol Chessman, an author and a death row inmate. Chessman was on death row being a robber, kidnapper, and a rapist. He was the first American in the modern era, to be executed for a non-lethal kidnapping. Meanwhile, Rabbit escaped from prison. Merle didn't go with him. He ended up shooting a police officer while he was out, for which he got the death penalty. He was on death row in San Quentin, and that led Merle Haggard to turn his life around. He got his GED. He played in the prison's country band, kept a job in the prison's textile unit, And the governor of California pardoned him and expunged his record in 1972. That governor, Ronald Reagan. After getting out of prison, Haggard started playing and recording with Tally Records. The Bakersfield sound that you heard so much about was coming into vogue, led by Buck Owens. And it was a response to the over-engineered Nashville sound. Turns out... They've been criticizing the Nashville sound for a lot longer than since Luke Bryan arrived on the scene in Bro Country. 
After he got out of uh, prison, he starts recording, starts building a name for himself. 38 number one hits. The first one was written in 1966 with Liz Anderson, along with Liz Anderson, who was the mother of singer Lynn Anderson. And she and Merle, Liz, would have a long collaboration. They wrote, I'm a Lonesome Fugitive in 66. His last number one would be 21 years later with Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Star. Married five times. First wife, Leona Hall, four kids. Dana, Marty, who was named after Marty Robbins, and you'll hear later in the show, he does an incredible Marty Robbins impersonation. So uh, uh, Dana, Marty, Kelly, and Noel. Second wife was Bonnie Owens, who was Buck Owens' ex-wife. The two of them were married 12 years, and they actually played together. She sang backup with him, even though they were divorced later, all the way until she died in 2006. Third wife was Leona Williams. The maid of honor was Bonnie Owens, his ex-wife. Fourth wife was Debbie Parrott. Fifth wife was Teresa Lane. They had two children, Ben and Janessa. Merle Haggard stopped smoking cigarettes in 1941 and took up Willie's weed. He was diagnosed with lung cancer in 2008, completely recovered, continued touring, and was hit with a bout of double pneumonia, spent 11 days recovering or attempting to, and passed today, April 6th, on his 79th birthday. 38 number one hits. I mean, think about that. That's unbelievable. I mean, you, other than, than, than George Jones... Uh, Charlie Pride, Ronnie Millsap, uh, George Strait, Garth Brooks. You take those guys out of the mix. There are some incredible careers that never got to a third of that, and guys that had incredible careers. 1966, I'm a Lonesome Fugitive. See how many of these you can you can hum along yourself. 67, Branded Man. 68, Sing Me Back Home. That's how we'll end the show, by the way, today. That will be our last bump of the hour, and that will, for those of you who hang around, well, I hope you enjoy it. 68, The Legend of Bonnie and Clyde. 68, Mama Tried. 69, Hungry Eyes. 69, Working Man Blues. 69, Okie from Muskogee. Even folks that don't know Merle Haggard's music have to know that song. Seven, it's not one of my favorites, by the way. 70, The Fight Inside of Me. 71, Daddy Frank. 71, Carolyn. 72, Grandma Harp. 72, It's Not Love, But It's Not Bad. 72, I Wonder If They Ever Think of Me. You see his vocal range in that song. 73, everybody's had the blues. 73, if we make it through December. 74, things aren't funny anymore. Same year, Old Man from the Mountain and Kentucky Kentucky Gambler. 75, always wanting you. Moving on. It's all in the movies. The Roots of My Raising. Great song. 76, Cherokee Maiden. And then four years in between, 1980 with Clint Eastwood, Barroom Buddy, Buddies. I think I'll just stay here and drink. One of my favorites. That year, 81, my favorite men- memory, Big City. Yesterday's Wine the next year with George Jones. Then 82, Going Where the Lonely Go, You Take Me for Granted, Poncho and Lefty next year with Willie. And that's the way love goes. And then in 84, Someday When Things Are Good, Let's Chase Each Other Around the Room, A Place to Fall Apart with Janie Fricky. Next year, Natural High, and his last one in 87, Twinkle, Twinkle, Lucky Star. The Memories 
and drinks don't mix too well Jukebox records don't play those wedding bells Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass All I see is a man who's fading fast Tonight I need that woman again What I'd give for my baby to just walk in Sit down beside me and say it's all right Take me home and make sweet love to me tonight But here I am again Mixing misery and gin Sitting with all my friends And, and talking to myself I look like I'm having a good time But any fool That this honky-tonk heaven Really makes you feel like hell Misery and gin I light a lonely woman Cigarette You know, it's it's interesting. I made my list, and I kept narrowing it down. Merle Haggard died today, by the way. 79 years old, on his 79th birthday. I made my list, and I kept narrowing it down, narrowing it down, and I squeezed in an extra bump that we wouldn't normally get. And then Sandy Peterson did a bunch of research for me on how many number ones and all this, and she made a list of all the number ones. And I was surprised that um, some of my favorites never made it up to number one. Just, uh, I guess that's, I guess that's, I don't know that any of that really matters. I decided years ago um, that if you allow popularity to determine quality, you will often, uh, that's why somebody called in earlier today and they were talking about, um, uh, oh, we were talking about Tombstone and, uh, Young Guns, and I asked people which of the two was their favorite, and they were talking about a movie that didn't win a, an Oscar and how it should have won an Oscar and, and that whole thing. And I, I don't – if you ever meet a critic in any field, I've never met a critic that actually enjoys the subject that they are critiquing. They generally are, are – they're so bored. They're so bothered that the only thing they like anymore – is something that's different than what's gone before because somehow that's good because they don't want more of the same because they're too steeped in it. But, you know, look, if if you come up and talk to me after I get off the radio, I don't want to talk about politics. So um, I, I guess that's the same thing. I guess the critics don't enjoy their own industry anymore. 1965, Merle Haggard wins Most Promising Male Vocalist. He also that year wins Best Vocal Group with Bonnie Owens, Top Vocal Duo with Bonnie Owens. It was a big year, 65. That's that's his breakout year. 66, he wins Top Male Vocalist, and again, Top Duo. 69, Top Male Vocalist. 
69, he wins Album of the Year with Oki from Muskogee, Song of the Year, and Single of the Year. And I don't want to – some of you should probably put your uh, hands over your ears, earmuffs for this. Um, but Merle Hack – if you love the song Oki from Muskogee and uh, – well, let me just say this. You might be disappointed to know how Merle Haggard felt about that song, and you might be disappointed to know that Merle Haggard probably didn't share your politics. He did share um, a a kinship with the working man, and he did share a kinship with the man that gets knocked down and gets back up uh, in that sense. But he did not share... um, your likely conservative positions, and he probably wouldn't have voted for the people that you would have voted for. That's just the way that that's just the way that goes. You know, when I when I think about how music has changed from when I was young, the outlaw era was big during my childhood, and that's what my parents listened to, and that influenced my musical taste. And to this day. I'll still go to iHeart uh, uh, Radio or iHeart whatever the iHeart app. I will still go there and put in classic country. It's just it's my favorite. It's what I do. I don't I don't listen to the stuff coming out of Nashville now. It's it's not my thing. Um, but you look back at that time and compare that to today. Um, you had white singers singing about going to jail, and they went. You had white singers uh, singing about the time they did in prison. I mean, you, if you think about, if, if, you, if you throw Johnny Cash into there because he was doing these prison tours, Johnny Cash got a lot of people out of jail, uh, as, as David Allen Coe saying, Johnny Cash got, helped me get out of prison long before Rodriguez stole that goat. There were songs about being outlaws, and and they really were outlaws. And, and I'm not saying you need more of that today. I my life has changed today from my childhood. I, I don't, you know, I make more money than my parents did. I have a much easier life than my parents. And my kids go to private school. I went to public school. My dad worked at a plant. I don't do that. So I don't know those struggles. And when I listen to music sung by white country singers, well, Charlie Pride too, about struggles, I identify with the struggles that my parents had and that I watched them go through. I don't have that struggle, and and I'm not going to pretend I do because that would be a lie. Um, But then I I compare that to Nashville today, and and it's more – it's what they call bro country, and it's guys wearing skinny jeans – um, singing about driving, you know, backwoods down to a river and drinking beer, and it's it's none of it's written by the guys that are that are actually singing. It's not it's not anything that they actually identify with. I, I'm not I'm not telling a you know back when we were kids we walked uphill both ways. It just I, I observe the difference. How about that? The Michael Berry Show. Michael Berry. Yes, 
There's a big brown cloud in the city And the countryside's a sin And the price of life's too high to give up Gotta come down again Worldwide war's over and done And the dream of peace comes true We'll all be drinking free bubble up Eating that rainbow stew When we find out how to burn water And the gasoline car's gone When an airplane flies without any fuel And the sunlight heats our home One of these days when the air clears up And the sun comes shining true We'll all be drinking free bubble up Needing that rainbow stew Eating rainbow skin and silver spoon Underneath the sky blue I'll be drinking free bubble up Hey, I'm not a music critic, and this ain't a country music station, so you might be tired of hearing me talk about it, but uh, I'm going to finish my point, and that is this. Uh, I think the reason, and I don't know that I really knew this until I spent the afternoon listening to his music, I think the reason Merle Haggard's music appeals to me and appeals to a certain demographic, I think the reason it's timeless and it's important is that this is music about a station in life. This is music about um, this is a music this is music look there is nothing wrong with the fact that we segment we have niche musical listening choices. L- Ludacris doesn't speak to me. R. Kelly doesn't speak to me. That doesn't make his their music without merit. It's just when there are songs about the things that I don't identify with, growing up in the hood, slinging lead, Hanging with your home, I don't identify with anything. And I mean, I'm I'm mature enough to say that that doesn't make it music that that is does not have artistic merit. It does have artistic merit to someone. What is a song? What what are most songs? But the glorification of the simple, the mundane, that which we do every day. I mean, I can almost see that bobber dancing, just a little fishing. He's just talking about fishing. And this was a time, or an artist, who plied his trade writing and singing songs about the working man. And for me, that was always the southern working man. Now, maybe that's maybe that was a Detroit steel mill worker, just to send it on down the line. But that wasn't my experience was plant workers and orange. Your experience may be different. You know, we, we we may have listeners in upstate New York. I know we do, in in, in Troy or Saratoga or Niskayuna or Albany or or wherever else. 
who say, well, I, hey, it appealed to me. It might have had a southern twang, but it's the same lifestyle I have. And so I, for me, the great joy of that style of country music was not just the twang. That's why I don't care for the bubblegum pop today. But, hey, I also recognize whether I think it has artistic merit or not, they're selling more songs today and packing more stadiums today under the umbrella of what is called country music than they ever have. They know what they're doing. They know how to sell. They're selling pop music with a country twang. And and that works for for Southern kids. It, it, whatever. Okay, I got it. It's just not me. It, it doesn't. I, I don't identify with it. I don't. A, the content of the song. And B, that's nostalgia. I, I don't know how many of you still listen to the songs that you're parents and grandparents listen to but that's what i listen to that that's what i identify with that's what i enjoy and that's that's the merle haggards but let me the passing of a life whether it's a famous person or you know my brother's wife's mother passed today and there won't be grand tributes in her name. There won't be people who never knew her saying this was the saddest day of my life. Her life will be marked by those who knew her and those who loved her. And to put it crassly, um, she's hopefully going to the same place that Merle Haggard is hopefully going. That's not my decision. I don't get to make that call. But it also gives us an opportunity to talk, to stop and take a measure of the little bit of time we spend here and what it means. And I'd say that because I heard from a number of people today. I said, Michael, when you had the hag at the Redneck Country Club last year, I didn't buy tickets because I thought, well, I catch him the next time around. I never got to see the hag. I'm so aggravated I didn't get to see the hack. And I secretly in my mind say, I wonder how many of these regrets you have. I wonder how many things you didn't do when you had the chance that you later regret. I wonder how many places you didn't visit, calls you didn't make. I wonder how many times, you, yeah, you meant to, but you, you just didn't execute on it. And it's it's a great reminder because so many things I find that are meaningful in my life, when the time came, I could have talked myself out of it. I don't feel like getting up and going to that Little League game. I don't feel like getting up and taking my kids here. I don't feel like going and seeing my parents. I'm tired. And yet later you realize, man. If I had blown that, how was I going to know that that would be the last opportunity I would have to do that? I'm so glad I did it. Or worse, man, why didn't I? Because at that point, if you've seen Dead Poet Society, one of my favorite movies, um, the, the concept of carpe diem, the concept of seizing the day, the concept of making the most, draining the most out of every moment because they'll be gone and and every george jones merle haggard you name it i mean i i think i went through in my mind today when Waylon passed and when johnny cash passed and when george jones passed george jones passing was very upsetting to me because 
of the people I most wanted to play, the Redneck Country Club, George Jones, would have been it. But we did manage to get Willie, and we did manage to get Merle, and we did manage to get Ronnie Millsap and Charlie Pride. And, you know, but each one of them was difficult in their time. And I said to myself, this may be the last chance we have. And there you go. And I guarantee you there, there are things in your life that are exactly the same. It's that time. Lock and load. The Michael Berry Show is on the air. I guess we'll talk about what happened in Wisconsin. Big win for Ted Cruz. The polls were all wrong, but I have folks that called in and... uh, I feel like they deserve to be heard. Melissa? Hi, uh, Hi. Michael. Yeah. I wanted. I just wanted to touch base with you, and I hope you'll indulge me for a moment. Yeah, where are you calling um, from, sweetheart? Where's 337? Lafayette. Lafayette? Oh, that's the proper kunas. Well, <laughs> we've spoken before, and uh, I have someone who who will call with the accent you, you so desire. Oh, I love that. Me. That Cajun... There's no better Cajun accent than Lafayette. Well, I've got someone lined up who will be calling you. Um, but today I wanted to let you know that I know one one show you were saying, people say, Michael, you play too much or you play too little music. And I wanted to tell you, I think you play just the right amount, whether whichever day of the week it is. And I have learned so much from you uh, about artists I didn't know. And I love music. And my mother also loves music, and she is an original Okie from Muskogee. So today hit her really hard. And I was over there today, Michael, seeing Mom, and I heard her cry, and she she couldn't even tell me she was crying so hard. She said, Merle Haggard died. And I, I think, Michael, each, and you may agree or disagree, but I think each of us, who who really loves music has kind of a songbook of our life. Mm-hmm. And when I heard mom cry like that, it you know it broke my heart naturally. But um, how old is she? She is seventy. And so when Okie from Muskogee came out, I was probably just a newborn. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old I, are I, you? I'm forty seven. So and I don't 69? tell many people that. I can't believe I'm saying it. On, she's 70. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, she has a birthday coming up in May. But I think Merle Haggard was really a large part of her songbook of her life, yeah. along with many others. Well, he, you know, he had an interesting career <clears throat> because most musicians can be placed into an era, right? There is the era... Of this or that singer, and you know, Billy Ray Cyrus. You remember when Billy Ray Cyrus was big, and it was for a hot minute. Now he was big, big, but just for a minute. Ricky Martin. Um, it, there are these singers that they had their moment in whatever their genre was, and you remember kind of where you were in school. Erasure for me in high school that was, you know, or NXS or Depeche Mode or, and then you have artists that that span decades, 
U2 would be one of them. George Jones, Willie, Merle. And so you identify, I think, on a deeper level because they were right. They were they were singing these songs over a period of your life, and you remember when they came out, and you remember where you were. And and for people that enjoy music, look, I I can't carry a note, I can't carry a tune, I can't carry a tune in a bucket or whatever the phrase is. I can't play an instrument. I can't read music. None of it. Although I will, I will tell you with great pride every morning. My thrill in life is when I get up. This is I used to have trouble getting up. I would, I would want to lay there and I want to hit the buzzer for five more minutes. But I wake the boys up, and it thrills me to wake my boys up. I love to see my kids asleep, and I know some of you feel the same because when they're asleep, they're not back talking. They're not aggravating you. They're not begging for something. They're not mad and pouting that they're not getting. They're just being angelic. And so I love to go down. I open the door so I get enough light in the room that I can see them, but it doesn't wake them up. And we got them a white noise machine because my oldest wasn't sleeping very well. We found that that really helped. And I go in and I rub their shoulders and I slowly wake them up and you know, here's what's going on today. Here's what we're going to do. And then they trade off. One of them goes and plays. Um, they start their piano lessons. And I think it's kind of one of those, you know, when I was, when I was, a, when I was little bitty, I started swimming lessons, I think when I was three, maybe four at the YMCA in Orange, which was right next to the very rough public housing project. But I, I digress. Um, and the reason I was started in swimming lessons and I'm a pretty good swimmer. I ain't Mark Spitz or whoever. What's the guy that got caught smoking dope, Justin? Michael Phelps. I'm not, I guess I have to up. I have to update Mark Spitz. You know how old you are if, when you talk about being a great swimmer, you say I'm no Mark Spitz. So I guess now you have to say I'm no what M- Michael Phelps. Um, but it was Mark Spitz for my generation. Anyway, but it was because my mother couldn't swim. And she had an awful fear of drowning. So my brother is a phenomenal swimmer. He's swim meet swimmer. And he, he was he was in swimming lessons. We were both in swimming lessons from a young age. The YMCA had gave swimming lessons for little or nothing. And I can remember we spent our summers, we were in swim lessons and swim meet constantly. And so it was my mother making up for that which she didn't do and which she did. So by God, my son's going to learn to swim. Well, uh, I don't play a musical instrument, so by God, my kids are going to play a musical instrument. And my great joy every morning is whichever one of them, it's their turn. One, one goes into the shower, one goes onto the, the, the keyboard, and they start their piano lesson, or they start their piano practice. And I hide around the corner, and I listen. And just to see in a year how much growth they have had, and I think to myself, hell, if I could just play at their level, Justin, if I could just play at their level, I'd bring a keyboard in every day, and I would put that bed under me, you know, the way comedians do, or that's what Rodney Carrington, or what, because you sound so much smarter when you have kind of a cabaret-style musical bed underneath, uh, uh, underneath them, so there you go. Uh, let's see, Mike, you're on the Michael Berry Show, go ahead. Hey, Michael, uh, question for you. Now, you, 
got my information. I, I was uh, I voted for uh, Cruz in the Texas primary. Uh, what I want to know is you've seen some of these negative ads going around about Cruz, about this D.C. madam and his phone number on that list that was just turned over. I know you're dialed in to, you know, Texas politics, Washington politics. Is there any truth to that, any validity? What, what do you know about all that? Well, I'll tell you what I know. And I'll tell you what I don't know. It is possible, as you know, for any man to do stupid things when it comes to women. You know that. We all know that, right? Um, I will tell you that the the dates don't line up. The woman died before Ted Cruz was even in Washington, D.C. And so, so let's assume this story is not true. Then you have to start asking the question. Who planted this story? Well, I think it's Roger Stone. Roger Stone is probably the sleaziest person in American politics that's been written about. Articles entitled The Dirty Trickster. This is not the first time he's done this. He has smeared people over and over and over again. If it turns out it's all lies, we just move on and pretend it didn't happen. Where's the accountability? Where is the accountability for the fact that Donald Trump brought one of the sleaziest dirty tricksters into his campaign as his top advisor? fatherless homes conversation we have about young black children young white children who are born without fathers you see you, you the outputs that's an input that affects the outputs in many many cases and it's uh, it's consistent how often that is a problem across a, a group of people if you study them and then you're in juvenile. You, your childhood is spent basically in a cage or some form of a cage, and you then you 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 do some really bad things, and then your buddy that you're going to break out of jail with, you decide not to break out. You were determined you were going to break out. You're mad when he gets out and you're not. Ah, could have been free. 
he kills a police officer. You got to fry for that. And then you think, wow, there, but for the grace of God go I. And you decide, you know what? You have a sense of clarity. Clean it up. Ronald Reagan pardons you. And you, you your your record is clean from then on out. You get out. Years later, Reagan pardons you, cleans your record, and you start making music. You start in the honky-tonks, and you, you work yourself up. And somewhere along the way, you become a really big deal. We paid Merle Haggard $75,000 to do a 90-minute set plus an outlandish bonus for a sellout. Well, of course, we sold it out. So he got that too. <laughs> there you are, seventy five grand For you to stand up on the stage and make music for seventy five grand. Now, it's a production. I think it was – I'm getting some feedback in my ear. Are you – is there something coming down the line? No? Uh, okay. All right. Um, it's a production. It's a production. You got buses. You got tour managers. You got people to build the set and break down the set. You got musicians and all that. But, I mean, 10 grand. 10 grand a day covers all of that. Hotels, everything. You're making an insane amount of money. You never went to college. You never went to finishing school. You didn't get an MBA. You figured all this stuff out on your own. You make tunes. You you write ditties. You write you write poems. You put a lick to it and you sing it and people lap it up. And there you are. Lawyers who were the top of their elementary, middle school, high school class went to college on a full scholarship, went to law school on a full scholarship. They got out top of their class, and they got all this money, and they're paying you. They pay you more than we pay you. If you ever go to a private party, like a plaintiff's lawyer, that's a, that's a very common one. You go to a private party at somebody's home, and somebody per, and an artist performs. They paid two times, sometimes three times as much as a traditional venue to uh, to have them come. And the reason is the artists don't want to play those places because it's not professionally rewarding. If you play in somebody's backyard, there may be 10 people there who actually know who you are. If you play in a venue, those people bought tickets, those are your fans. You don't want to play for nobody. You You reach a point in your professional career that you don't want to play for an audience of people that don't know your songs. So they charge a lot more for private parties, just a fact. But there you are. You got to be looking around thinking, what a great country. A guy that was a misfit, a guy that was headed the wrong direction, a guy that was in a cage, a guy. And here I am. You're all paying me. You're throwing yourselves at me. And I never had the. That is the beauty of this country, the social mobility opportunities in this country. And it's not its not only not limited to music or sports. That's the least likely way you would do it. It's actually far more likely 
you would do it in other ways. I mean, it, it's it's a good reminder of the greatness of this country. It's it's a fantastic reminder of the greatness that is this country. Because if I go to India, where even I mean, even India now has has opportunities for for uh, social mobility. But when I go to India and I see uh, a guy that's a chaiwala, he brings your chai to you at a restaurant. He is and always will be a chaiwala. He'll never be anything. And then in this country, the guy who's waiting your table might very well own the restaurant in three years. He might own 50 in three years. There's a great story of a Pakistani a businessman in Houston named Ghulam Bombaywala. And uh, Bombay is his nickname, but I know him as Ghulam. And Ghulam's a great story. He came from Pakistan. He was doing his master's in chemistry, I think. He goes to a restaurant called Michelangelo's to apply for a job as a waiter. And they tell him, no, you don't speak English. He says, what do you mean I don't speak English? I speak English. And he does speak English. People in Pakistan, educated people in Pakistan speak English. They just have a thick accent. Of course I speak English. No, he don't speak English. They wouldn't even let him be a barback. That's the guy that, or, I'm sorry, busboy. They wouldn't, that, that guy doesn't even interact with customers. So it, it, it offended him. Well, he and his roommate uh, go buy, go lease a rundown, um, convenience store no gas just a convenience store in the roughest part of town for almost nothing they take it over from a chinaman they lease this thing they run it he's working there all night he can't afford to put, to pay labor so he's there all the time and and you're dealing with the lowest dregs of society when you're doing this you're you're, you're dealing with crackheads i mean you're dealing with gang bang they're coming in arguing with you sticking guns in your faces they ended up getting another one and then they ended up getting, I think, 11 of them. They sold all 11 of them, and he went back and walked in the door and bought the restaurant that wouldn't hire him as a busboy. I think it was five years after it all happened. He ended up building an empire of restaurants. Came here with nothing on a graduate student scholarship. Went to work as a busboy so he'd have rent money. Worked all night at a I mean, that is the American dream. And when you get right down to it, I think that was part of the appeal to Merle Haggard is he wasn't built by central casting. He wasn't created in a room by, you know, this is what we need. He's got the right look and he's got the right this. He actually lived the life that Americans were living. Well, it's the Michael Berry Show. Could be holding you tonight Could quit doing wrong, start doing right You don't care about what I think I think I'll just stay here and drink Hey, putting you down, don't square no deal At least you know I feel Take all the money 
Think I'd just stay here and drink Listen close and you can hear We started over because it's it's one of the five best cold opens of any country music song of all time. Go. Could be holding you tonight. One chord and bam. Good quit doing wrong. Strong. Start doing right. Big win for Ted Cruz last night. You don't Huge win. I guess the reason I haven't gone through it is I went through it on the early show today. But he won every age group. He won every economic group. He won every he won every segment that you, he won men, he won women, he won young people, he won old people, he won people in the middle. He won rich people, he won poor people. He won every group in between. Dominance. Sheer dominance. And I'm here to tell you, some of you don't understand my opposition to Donald Trump, and I will tell you this. You are welcome to vote for Donald Trump. You get a vote just like I do. I get to run my mouth just like you do. If Donald Trump wins, you will spend four years. If, if he wins the nomination, you'll spend the fall embarrassed because he will embarrass you constantly. And you'll be forced to defend him. You will be forced to defend him because he'll be your candidate. And it's going to be embarrassing. I got news for you. He's going to do some stuff and say some stuff that's going to be very embarrassing. Very, very embarrassing. Stuff you don't agree with. And you're going to be embarrassed to have to watch it and listen to it. And you're going to be expected to defend it. Because if you don't defend it, then Hillary wins. It'll be... Here's what Trump said. Do you support it? And you won't support it because he'll call women pieces of ass. He'll call them whores. He'll say P-U-S-S-Y. He'll call women bimbos. He'll say awful, awful things because that's what he does. He's done it his entire life. And you don't do that. I know you. You are people of values. And if you say, you don't know me, Michael, I'll say some horrible things. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, you're not a person whose opinion I care about. Just, you're welcome to listen or not. I, You're a classless clown, and I don't respect you. There are a lot of you out there who are so mad watching Boehner and Paul Ryan and his whole group of clowns, and you're so frustrated and you want something done. You do. That's what you want. You want something done. And for some of you think, well, at least at least Trump's not like everybody else. You're still going to have to defend him. Last night after it turned out he'd lost and lost badly. The classy thing to do, the dignified thing to do would be to come out and make a statement. Hey, Ted Cruz won. We moved to New York where I'm going to win. But instead, he wrote a statement referring to himself as Mr. Trump in the statement. I can't prove he wrote the statement, but it's in Trumpese. So e even though his, his people write like him, I, I think when you get right down to it, he probably wrote the statement, which makes the references to Mr. Trump even funnier. 
So we had Trump Squirrel read it. Usually Trump Squirrel is simply Donald Trump in Trump Squirrel voice. But this is Trump Squirrel reading the press release. Donald J. Trump withstood the onslaught of the establishment yet again. Lion Ted Cruz had the governor of Wisconsin, many conservative talk radio show hosts, and the entire party apparatus behind him. Not only was he propelled by the anti-Trump super PAC spending countless millions of dollars on false advertising against Mr. Trump, but he was coordinating with his own super PACs, which is illegal, who totally control him. Ted Cruz is worse than a puppet. He is a Trojan horse being used by the party bosses attempting to steal the nomination from Mr. Trump. We have total confidence that Mr. Trump will go on to win in New York, where he holds a substantial lead in all the polls and beyond. Mr. Trump is the only candidate who can secure the delegates needed to win the Republican nomination and ultimately defeat Hillary Clinton, or whomever is a Democratic nominee, in order to make America great again! Yeah, Ronald Reagan's slogan, because the guy who supported Jimmy Carter against Ronald Reagan now wants to tell you low-information uneducated, angry fools that he's just like you, you poor heathens. He's just like you. He mad. He's mad at what's going on. He's not going to tolerate it. He's a businessman, and he's going to tell them all this is what's going to be done. Tell them, Donald. You tell them. He's mad like you. He's the only one what can fix it. It took a Hillary Clinton friend and lifelong supporter to be able to fight Hillary the way Hillary got to be fighting. It took a guy that been writing checks to Democrats his whole life to be able to whoop them Democrats. You going to support him too because he's angry. He mad. He's mad. You mad? He's mad. He did like you. He's mad. And you don't need to worry about the fact that in 48 hours he changed his position on abortion five times because you don't care about no abortions anyway. And you know what? He's worth $10 billion. He refuses to prove it, but he is, and he's going to do it because he's so damn rich. He don't need no money. He's going to get up there and tell them like it is. That's what I like about Donald. He'll tell them like it is. He tells them all like it is. Now, his telling them like it is is very different than how he used to tell them like it is, but he's telling them like it is now for me because that's what they told him he needed to say. And sometimes it gets a little crossed up because he doesn't actually believe in that stuff. But I don't care. Long as he tells them like it is, that's what matters, right?
Since we're talking about uh, Since we're talking about Merle Haggard Merle Haggard had an incredible capacity Facility Skill Doing impressions Here he was in the late 60s Doing a few of the folks you would recognize Best country music impressions I ever heard How about doing Marty Robbins Sorry I should tell you This is Glenn Campbell Talking to Merle Haggard Best country music impressions I ever heard How about doing Marty Robbins No no you know one of them impression freaks (laughs) Yes sir Hey no I love impressions I really do Truthfully I can't hardly do a show without getting asked for them anymore I know what you mean Do a little marking Okay I told Mary about I told her about Buck Owens. Okay. Big Buck. Oh, the sun's gonna shine in my life. Buck's gonna We'll be posted on the blog or shortly michaelberry.com. Buck Owens comes out onto the stage and sings along with them. So does Johnny Cash. Love your you impressions. Why don't you do Johnny for me? Johnny yeah. Cash, you kill yeah. me. <laughs> now, we'll, we'll, come on, let's do it. Do, do Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash okay, comes out while he's singing. We'll watch okay. Martin. Okay. Here we go. We got married in a fever. <laughs> you a little bit of a Merle Haggard song that you probably never heard. It came out in 1989. He hadn't had a hit in two years. It's called Me and Cripple Soldiers Give a Damn. The Supreme Court had decided to allow flag burning under the First Amendment, which I think is a proper choice, by the way. I I believe that's the right, that's the right choice, but it doesn't mean it's a good thing to do. And um, CBS Records said, we're not going to let you record this song. So he bought himself out of that contract, and he went on with Curb Records so that he could, so that he could play this song. It's called "Me and Crippled Soldiers Give a Damn." wasn't a hit, but I like the message.
it's all right to burn the stars and stripes. Guess nobody really needs old Uncle Sam. Might as well burn the bill of rights as well and let her country go straight to hell. Only me and crippled soldiers give a damn. Let me just say, uh, Go and find that song yourself. It'll be posted to michaelberry.com here in just a few minutes, as will everything else we've talked about with Merle Haggard. I wanted to end the show with one of my absolute favorites of his repertoire. It's about his buddy Rabbit who broke out of jail and ended up killing a police officer, went to death row, and he's being put to death. Bad choices. And thank God Merle Haggard didn't make the same ones. So we'll end it on the day that he died, his 79th birthday, with one of my favorite Merle Haggard songs. The warden led a prisoner down the hallway to his doom. I stood up to say goodbye like all. And I heard him tell the warden Just before he reached my cell Let my guitar play in friend to my request Let him sing me back home With a song I used to hear And make my And take me away And turn back the years And sing me back home before I die I recall last Sunday morning A choir from off the streets Came in to sing a few gospel songs And I heard him tell the singers There's the song my mama sang Could I hear it once before you move along Let him sing me back home With a song I used to and make my old memories come alive. Take me away and turn back the years and sing me back home before I die. I know not everybody in the audience is a huge music fan, but I hope some of you out there appreciated our little modest tribute to the soundtrack of our lives and for many of you of yours too on this the passing of the great Merle Haggard